Today I'm going to talk to you about the anointing. Like something that probably, something that, you know, it's, it's been a study of mine for years. And um, we, have a young, we had a lady who was a young lady at the time at our church that sang a song, It's the Anointing That Makes the Difference. Um, and once you've known it, you'll never be the same. Um, it, once it rests upon you, it, it just makes the difference. And you know when it rests upon you. And the anointing is something that, that all of us, there's an anointing that comes on you or in you automatically with salvation. Okay? But there's an, another anointing that takes place, and we see it throughout the Old Testament. We see it throughout the New Testament. Um, and when we see that, that other anointing show up, it always shows up for service. Amen. And so we have a lot of people in service that are not anointed. And without that anointing, you get, you get worn out, burnt out, frustrated, uh, impatient. It's a real struggle trying to do God's work without the anointing to do it. There's a grace that comes on you to, to do that with that anointing. And, and I'll show you very evidently here in just a second. But let's first go back to the anointing that's inside of you. I, I do a practice on a regular basis, and I got this a long, long time ago. Lay your hand on your belly and say with me, I am anointed. Do you know most of the church doesn't even know that? They have no idea. It is one of the things that causes people really to freak out when I have new people. I watch them. I say, put your hand on your belly, and they're already going, I don't think I'm going to do that. And then you go, well, say you're anointed, and they, I'm not going to say that, because you've been taught that you're just an old sinner who's been saved by grace, and you're just a worm, okay? Let me go to the school that your grandchildren are at, or your children are at, let me let your little grandbaby crying for a dirty diaper or whatever, and let me just say to you, ah, they're just an old worm. I can watch some of your faces already change. Call my grandbaby a worm? Well, you're the one that started this. You're the one calling yourself a worm. What does a worm produce? Do they produce angels? Do they produce wonderful little children? They produce worms. What's an old sinner saved by grace produce? Old sinners saved by grace. That is the biggest oxymoron you can come up with. Either you're saved and you've been washed in the blood or you're a sinner. Do you see the confusion that we've taught right from the pulpit? The confusion of identity, and now we don't even know who we are. But when you remind me of what I said I believe, all of a sudden something rises up on the inside of you. I'm not, going to, I'm not putting up with that, right? Do you know why? Because you know there's a lie in that somewhere. Amen. You know there's a lie in that somewhere. So why are you putting up with any of the lie? Why not get a hold of the truth? 
Listen, people will rise to who they believe they are. They will not rise to guilt, manipulation, and accusation. They will not rise to condemning judgment, they will and they will not rise to their mistakes. They will rise to who they believe they are, and it is our job to, to instill in them who they are by the Word of God. That doesn't mean that when you proclaim to them who they are and you see how they act, that you don't turn around and go in an office somewhere or somewhere where they can't see it and you just want to pull their hair out, you know? Come on. I can't believe they did that again. Get that all out of you because when you get in front of them, they need to see in your eyes that you truly do believe who they really are and they will rise to that. Amen? And if they're not rising to that, then they're not believing. There's only one of two things can happen when they're not believing. One is that they refuse to receive or two, there's not an anointing on what you're saying. It's only the anointing. How is a man saved? He's convicted by the Spirit of God, not by a human being. Oh, my. This is why pulpit preaching is ridiculous. And the Bible says the whole world doesn't understand it. And sometimes I don't. Because it's ridiculous. We get up here, you all show up. I preach the word to you. You turn around and go home. I go home, sit in front of a TV watching football, wondering if I did any good at all. You have to get out of that cycle and realize, did I, am, I, am I anointed for what I'm doing? Is the anointing in me and has the anointing come upon me for doing what I'm doing? And now I trust in the word of God when I spoke it that it had the anointing on it. And if it had the anointing on it, it's anointed seed. If it's anointed seed, it goes into good soil. All humanity is good soil. If they received it, it will do what it was sent to do. And it doesn't matter if it rides inside that body, inside that mind, for 10 or 20 years down the road. I can tell you there's times I'm reading in my Bible, I'm, I'm meditating on God, I'm, I'm working on maybe a message, or I'm just, I'm just working on Dean. And all of a sudden something pops up that somebody said to me, and I go right back to what they said, where I was at, what was going on, and it's just amazing how all of a sudden... It springs to life and starts producing right now. And that was 20 years ago. When they discovered King Tut's tomb, they discovered seed in there, particularly corn seed. 
How long had that been buried? Oh, my gosh. Thousands of years been buried in a pyramid, under the pyramid. Scientists got this idea, and most of you already know the story, but it wouldn't have been my thought when I found corn seed. I thought, well, we'll put that in a glass. We'll put that in his uh, museum, and people can see they had corn back then. I wouldn't have tempted to try to make it grow. But there were scientists involved and said, we want some of that. We want to put that in the ground. We want to see what happens. And they did, and guess what happened? Even though it sat dormant for years and years, thousands of years, they put that seed in the ground, and that seed did exactly what seed is supposed to do. Ground did what ground is supposed to do. See what ground does? I learned a lot of this from Rick. We were talking about building a post a post-style building, and, and, and I don't want to offend him anyway, but he was not crazy about that unless it's done right. It has to be done right because if it's not done right, you have problems down the road. He's a steel guy. He's more interested. Let's get steel. But for the sake of this teaching, when you put that post in the ground, we were just talking about this back there. You put that post in the ground, Ground will do what ground is supposed to do, and what ground does is it tries to germinate the seed. So you put that wood, and if that wood touches soil anywhere, that post is gone. It might not be gone today. It might not be gone tomorrow. But one day you're going to wake up, and your post is going to be rotten because it was set in something, and it was touching the ground. They got it too close to the side, didn't put anything in the bottom to cover the bottom. Something happened, and the soil got to it. And when the soil got to it, the soil starts to try to germinate. Okay, I'm saying this for a reason. Wake up. Wake up. You are good soil, and when you receive a word, when it hits you, when revelation comes to you, I mean, hey, you got a cell phone. Have you got notepad in that cell phone? How many of you know you even have a notepad in the cell phone? Okay, here's the deal, folks. The seed can do nothing unless the soil is going after it to germinate it. You can't just sit back and say, well, if it's God, it's God. If it's He'll bring all things to my remembrance. No, He won't. He brings all things to your remembrance that when it's deposited in you, you germinate it. You go after it. You know as well as I do when I'm preaching, because I know it happens. And the reason I know it happens is because I was anointed to do this. So when I speak, not just the anointing in me working just like it works in you, I also have an anointing upon me, so whenever I speak, seed goes into you. You, and what I mean by that is, all of a sudden you go, I never thought that way. Oh, my word, that's, that's true. It's at that moment God has stopped the universe, took this ridiculous carcass, and spoke a life word through it to your ears, and, and, and all God needed was a monkey to stand up here and do that, okay? And he did it, and then when he did it, 
God spoke directly to you, and it's time for you to write that down, go home, and start figuring out what is he trying to say to me. Down the road, you'll get another. You put that in that notepad. You get you a, a book, and, and you begin to watch what God is saying to you, and you'll start seeing it coming together. And, and, and I mean, listen, we're not anything special. That's why God said, don't touch the anointed and do, no, do the prophets no harm. You know why he said that? Because he's got a bunch of knuckleheads out there doing this. And, 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 and we're pretty weak, and, and don't mess with them. Because a little push, they might fall over and break. Okay? I mean, listen, when God spoke to people, he's used a jackass twice. All right? So... He doesn't have to have a real intelligent guy to get up here to do this. He just has to have an anointing on him. Please don't be offended by what I just said. It's in the Bible. That word's in the Bible. And for your children, I'm sorry. They might not need to repeat that. All right. So when that seed comes, we've got to germinate it. How do we germinate it? We write it down. And we begin to meditate on that in our Bible study. If God has spoken to you, he has got you right in the Bible where he wants you in the Bible reading when he spoke to you and he's meeting you at a crossroads with wherever you're at. Why? Because God knows you and he knows where you're at. He knows who you are. You are his child. He has your hairs numbered. He knows, he knows your ways. He knows your comings and your goings. He knows you're lying down and you're rising. He loves you, and he's coming in to try to talk to you. Wow. That's powerful. I'm telling you, when I got this, I had a notepad. Back then, I didn't have a phone that would record that. So I had a notepad with me every service. And after I heard something that revealed something to me, I really didn't care what else that guy had to say. I'll get the tape. Back then it was tapes. I'd get the tape, and I'll listen to whatever he had to say afterwards, but I heard a word, and I'm writing it down, and, I'm, and, and as I'm writing it down, God's speaking to me about a couple scriptures. I write that down next to it. I'm only interested. See, you're coming to church, and I, you need to know why you're coming. To hear a word. And once you hear a word, what else are you here for? We'll stick around and love on everybody and encourage them because they came. And, and you all, listen, the reason you come to church is to you get a word and to encourage others to be here. Why? Because there's something about a live audience, a live speaker where the anointing flows and a word is produced. That's why it's important to be at church. Can you do this all by yourself? You can, and you'll go the long way around it and probably never reach your potential or ever reach what God's called for you and has for you. The church is very important because there needs to be a word. Amen. So that's... that's uh, so let's take a look at this. Uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, 
As we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully by malicious, by manifestations of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to those that are lost. Somebody who reads the Bible, who goes to church where there's an anointing and there's a word spoken, and they're not understanding anything, they're lost. Hear what the Bible says? They're lost. Boy, I just don't understand anything. You need to get saved. You need the anointing in you so it can confirm the anointing that's coming to you. You need to get saved. You need to accept Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, before it's too late. Watch this. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You see what's happening? It shines unto you. It's brought to you. It, it, it unfolds. It, 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 you know, the, the old uh, um, cartoon with the light bulb on top. Ah, I get it. The light has come. And that's what happens. That's what should happen. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. Ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. The thing, the anointing, when it comes upon you, it is for servitude. It is not about me. It is not about what I think should be said. It's not about me watching you or watching society and making a decision on what you need to hear Sunday morning. That's not serving you. That's judging you. What I am, what, what I am a servant supposed to do, and that, this goes to any servitude inside the church. It's not servitude to, 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 for, to, to fulfill yourself, but it's servitude to others. For Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glorious God, of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of God may, and not, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. If we're, if we're talking about all this, uh, what we see other people do, and we're, we're, we're talking about that all the time, without an illustration back to Christ, if that's what we're talking about, then we're looking at people too much. 
And that'll get you bitter, that'll get you sour, that'll get you hopeless, watching people. We're not here to watch people. We're here to bring them and put the spotlight on Jesus Christ. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw them in unto me, not if we lift up other things. So now let's just go to this. I'm going to prove to you now. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, this is his first message. Jesus was baptized. And the, how many of you know the Spirit of God was already in Jesus? His immaculate, immaculate conception, the Virgin Mary, he was, his bloodline was the, of the Holy Ghost. The spoken word created Jesus in the womb of Mary. The spoken word is the inerrant word of God. It is, it is the pure holiness of God and God's idea and opinion. And it was spoken into Mary and, and Jesus became, he was birthed, and he, was, he became flesh and dwelt among us. All right? So he was carrying the spirit of God in him. So why was it important? Jesus says, very important, John, that you baptize me. Why? It's very important. Get with it. I'm giving you a command. I'm going to give, I need to be baptized. When he got baptized, went through the ritual. What's baptism ritual? Being buried in the water of the word and coming back up alive in him. Dead to, the, dead to the world and dead to the word. Now my life is based on this and this alone. I come back up and now I'm alive in this. Jesus had to show that. But watch what happens to Jesus right after he comes up. Very significant. Because this doesn't happen for everyone. The Spirit of the Lord in the, in the image of a dove rested upon him, not in him because it, he, the Spirit of God already rested in him. He was God. But the Spirit, this is why Jesus said this has to happen because I have to show you the difference. There is a Spirit that rests inside of you that's me. If he's anointed, you're anointed. You say, Jesus lives in me, but I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Quit giving yourself excuses. And quit living up to that level, like here. You're seated with the right hand of the Father. Making, he's making intercession with you, intercession for you, and he said, you are seated with me. He said, you're a child of the living God. You're an heir and joint heir. Not just an heir, but a joint heir. What's that mean? An heir is one who shares the wealth of the one pool of money or, or whatever. That one pool of wealth, it gets spread across for everyone. He says that you're that, but you're also a joint heir. What's a joint heir? A joint heir is everyone gets equal. 
of the hope. So everything Jesus is, you now are. Oh my. As he is, and this is your Bible, this is the word of God, as he is, so are you in this world. Hello. The Bible also says that you are in his stead. What's that mean? If I send you up to the grocery store with my credit card and say, would you go pick us up some ice for this party? Are you not going in my stead? So instead of me going, you're going. Who's paying for it? I am. But you're going instead of me. We're making this too hard. In his stead. We are instead of him, we're here. So now, what? Now see here, now what would Jesus do? It's a really good necklace, but what really would he do? Would he judge or would he set free? Would he release or would he put captive? Would he talk or would he pray? Amen. Preach it, little sis. Right? The anointing begins when we begin, I'm telling you, when he begins to talk to you, and you begin to write it down, and you begin to break it down and germinate against that seed, that will change you forever. Forever. You will never be the same. And then in that process, he prepares you for service. And then his spirit comes upon you for the power to perform. Hmm. Hmm. Now when you perform... It is not you performing, but him performing through you and his same spirit who is flowing out of you. Carrying on those words of notes, music, words, actions, the anointing that settles into the heart of people and they are changed forever because of you. Say it with me again. I'm anointed. I am anointed. God's preparing me. He's getting me ready for something. I'm a world changer. The whole world around my world is going to change. Us and the Whartons got together. We started praying for our neighborhood. <laughs> it is amazing what's happening in that neighborhood. They've now tagged another home, getting ready to knock it out. They're going to end up putting a whole new neighborhood in there. They put in three or four new homes since we started praying. We got in that neighborhood, and we got in, and it was a nice neighborhood. And then because of administrations and opportunities that should have never been given, people took a hold of those, and then it just turned the whole neighborhood upside down. Next thing you know, 
uh, Pat and I are living in a neighborhood. We started in a neighborhood that was really nice. And next thing you know, we're living in a neighborhood that I heard a commotion one day. I'm, I'm Saturday, Saturday taking a, a break. Pat ran to the grocery store. And I heard something, and I ran to the front door to see what was going on. I opened up the door, and there's like 30 or 40 people in my front, not, not on the boulevard, but they're in the street with ball bats, chains, clubs, all kinds of stuff, and they're having a powwow out there in front of my house. I called Pat right away and said, hey, where are you at? She said, I'm here at the stop sign, and I can't get home. I said, back up, back up quickly. Well, I couldn't get through that much, that conversation, and there's five or six cop cars show up, zooming in from everywhere, and this is our neighborhood. People walking by with ankle bracelets, fresh, fresh boots right out of the, you know, right out of the, uh, out of the, out of the commissary at the prison. Uh, you know, you have to, you have to deliver to the prisons for a while. And those that work at prison, I mean, they can spot somebody who's been in prison like that. Just watch them how they walk, can't you, Rick? I mean, it's on them. It's all over them. And I had them all up and down my road. We got security system at the house. We put cameras in because this is how we're having to live now. And we started really getting upset about it, and I had a lot of things to say because we can all go that direction. But in the middle of that, we stopped and said, wait a second. It doesn't matter what the administration has done. It doesn't matter what our governor does. It doesn't matter what our representatives do. It doesn't matter what our mayor is doing. And we had Butler at the time. I said, it's time for us to start speaking over this neighborhood. We had one neighbor down the road. She says, well, I'm just going to speak fire and brimstone, you know, curse them, curse all of them. And God said, well, son, uh, I started, I thought that sounds a pretty good idea, you know. You're frustrated. You're upset. Curse them. Curse you. Curse you. And God stopped me and said, son, are you wanting more cursing or are you wanting the blessing? I said, I want the blessing. He said, then speak the blessing and don't speak the cursing. Because whatever you speak is what is going to happen. So Kurt and I got to talking about it. Lisa and Pat, we all sat down and talked about it. Just two of us here on this block. It's time to change it. And we started speaking life into that thing. And man, I mean, the curse started deteriorating. What is, that's the anointing flowing out of you. Every one of you, you may not be anointed for a particular service yet, but you still have the anointing in you, and when you speak, the anointing is attached to it, and it will do what it's sent to do. That's what God said about his word. I send my word, and it does not return void. But where I, when I send it, 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 it produces what I sent it to do. So we started praying, and God said, speak the blessing. Well, now I can go speak whatever I want to. Or I can speak what God said to speak. And when I speak what God says to speak, the anointing is on it. When I speak what I want to speak, kind of falls to the ground. And when I speak what God says to speak, it goes and starts operating. 
it comes to life around you. Does that make sense? I, I listened to a leader, and I'm, getting, I'm, I'm just going to close with this. Ben, when you're called to service, one thing I knew and understood, and I, I, was, in a, I was in a meeting, um, God had called me to service, and I ran. I ran for 20 years. So don't tell me if you're called to service and you run, then God says, ah, well, he's not going to do it. You know, to hell with him. God doesn't do that. I can promise you he does not do that. Because he already knew what I'd seen in ministry, what I'd seen at church. And I'd, as a young kid, what I'd seen, I'd had all the church I wanted. And then he called me to pastor, and I'm like, that is not happening. They almost put me in a session up there. I'm working for a company, and they had psychiatrists on hand uh, to talk with you, to, to kind of debrief you from... It was, a lot, it was a really pressured management program, highly pressured. And they had a couple psychiatrists up there that if they saw you breaking down a little bit, well, you went to go see them. Uh, and we had several guys that went through that. I thought I was going to be one because I was setting one time, and, and God was getting ready to show me something. I'm running. I've already told him, leave me alone. I'm going the corporate route. I love the corporate route. That's the direction I'm going. I am never going to preach your word. I see how your people are treated. You can't take care of them. I just said it to God. If you can't take care of them, you won't take care of me, and I'm not doing it. This company will take care of me. I'm sitting there, and God just ignores you is what he does. He, you talk like that, he just goes on talking. I'm sitting there in that chair, and we got all of us just came in. We got two weeks, and they're getting ready to come in, and we're going to another session, another level of this leadership program. And I'm sitting here on the end. Nobody's over here. There's a chair right next to me. We're in a U-shape. I'm sitting on my corner. I'm making my remarks to each guy that comes in, teasing each other. You know how guys do. And I heard a voice right over here said, Pay real close attention. You're going to need this in the future. And I knew the voice. And I was tired, and I wasn't thinking about what I was doing, but I turned around and I said, Shut up. I told you I am never doing that. The whole room went silent. They were all looking at me. Instructor had not made it in yet. Had he made it in yet, I was going to be heading to the offices. I, they're going to talk to me for a while to see if I'm okay if I've lost my marbles. And they all looked at me and said, Dean, are you okay? And I looked over to the side, and there's no one there. There's no one in this chair. There's no one in that chair. And there's no one sitting next to me. I'm the only one in the corner. And I just turned and talked to somebody. What he had to talk to me about that day was personality studies. And it wasn't until in the last few years that it has become very, very sure of what. Just because you're called into leadership doesn't mean you're prepared for leadership. And I know that because I've experienced that. 
I've been listening to a leader, a, a guide in leadership here a while, uh, for a while now, and he's got this broke down into three, and it's very, very good. I've talked about it before in the church, and you've heard me talk about the, the question is why, not how, but why. We have to ask the tough question, why? Because we can talk about how, and we can talk about what, and that's what we mainly talk about in church. How and what? Well, we, we're, we're, we're grace. So? Well, what it's about is this. And we can talk about what it's about. And we can talk about how you do it. None of that means anything. It's the why. Do you know why I teach grace? Because grace... It is by grace you are saved. Not of works, lest anyone boast. It is of grace that is, and grace, where does grace come from? It is empowered by love. And if we can get you attached to grace, God's unlimited grace, attached to his love, then you are empowered to be everything God has ever called and desired for you to be. Every desire that's in your heart that he's put there, you can, you can rise to it. There's where the Bible says that there's nothing impossible to you. Amen. But it you'll never get it until you understand grace and love. Everything else is a duty to get there. And you're going to have to understand there is nothing you can do to get it, and there's nothing you can do to keep it, and there is nothing you ever did and nothing you ever will do. While you were yet a sinner, he died for you. Why would he do it that way? Why would he make sure while you're at your lowest, that's whenever I'm going to receive you. That's when I'm going to, that's when I'm going to request you. That's when I'm going to choose you. Why? So that you understand that at your worst, he accepts you. I mean, all you can do is go up now. And I didn't have to do anything to get it. He chose me. Once we begin to rise to his choice, we will rise to the occasion. But as long as we're still struggling with the choice, while we're still yet sinners saved by grace, still identifying with what we, we're no good, as long as we're living like that, folks, we'll never tap into the anointing. It's the why. Why did he do it? Because for God so loved the world that he gave. No other reason. No other reason. He didn't get a hold of you because you were in the guttermost. He didn't get a hold of you because you were about to slide right off into hell. He didn't get a hold of you because you were with cancer and you needed help. He didn't do any. He heals you because he loves you. He, he calls you because he loves you. He draws you because he loves you. He chooses you because he loves you. 
He searches you out because He loves you. He raises you up because He loves you. You didn't earn, you didn't earn one bit of it. That's what humbles you. It's the goodness of God that humbles you. It's the goodness of God that causes you to repent. It's His goodness every time. And boy, that scrambles the religious brain, boy. I tell you, that just scrambles the religious brain. When we're empowered by that, the church will have to go to interviewing volunteers because you won't be able to put everybody to work. Because they're driven. My pastor had to beat me off. Shove me aside. Go give me little jobs to do. Because I wanted to serve. I wanted to be a part. I, this kingdom is too great. I, this is too big a deal. I'm going to be all in. All in. Not part of the way in. All in. What was I driven by? Not unacceptance. Not trying to earn something. It was something on the inside of me. And then I had to learn something. And it's called leadership. And you cannot lead till you can follow. Amen. Amen. And that's why you need training. And that's why the church should become a training center. Church is not a salvation station. Church is a training center. Amen. Is that all right today? Are y'all good? Y'all have a great Thanksgiving this week. Hug those kids. Love on that family member. Reach out to a friend. Let them know the love of God that is inside of you. Amen. And aren't we all thankful for this great country that we live in? And it will be great again. Amen. It will be great again. I prophesy that it will be great again. Amen. Its best days are just ahead. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the love that you've given us. And Father, because you loved us, we love you. Father, let the anointing flow in us. Let it come to life and be activated, Father. In Jesus' name, we love you. We praise you. We appreciate you. God bless you. God bless y'all.